been a while since it's just been us two. I know. I've, how have you been? Good. How are you? Good. <laughs> you like how we fake? Like we just, we haven't seen each other already before we went started this conversation. We only see each other when we podcast. Mm, that's when we check up. Yeah. Otherwise, it's very transactional. <laughs> I've been good. This man to talk about them. I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jason. I'm joined uh, this fine evening with my co-host, Courtney. Hello. We don't have Ryan here today. No. I don't know if we need to address that. <laughs> At this point, I think maybe. We don't have Ryan here. Uh, this is just going to be like a little one-off that we're doing. We're still in February. Yeah, I just remember last year we did a bunch of rom-coms. We did a double feature with An Affair to Remember and Sleepless in Seattle, which was one of my favorite episodes and one of my favorite double features of all time. And then we started to get into quarantine territory. That's right. We saw More and more people are showing up at the theater, which is on a regular day annoys me. We had a, a familiar feeling when we went to a movie last night, which was <laughs> yeah. being so annoyed at people. Yeah, there was a lady two rows behind us every time. It was a movie that had subtitles, but she would read out loud. It was loud, though. However. She was speaking, and it would be different if she was just kind of whispering and you couldn't really hear. There is a way to do that in a movie Well, theater. it was more than that, too, because there were times when there weren't subtitles happening, when she, there was just kind of like light chatter in the theater. Yeah. And I can't tell which would bug me more, if I can hear what they're saying or even just the light like smacking of conversation. Yeah. I will share. I don't think we've shared on the podcast. This has just become like an avenue for us to like air our grievances with yeah. movie theaters. <laughs> when we saw Tenet last year, I don't oh, know if we yeah. shared this, but okay. So you and I are sitting together. The way that obviously quarantine works when you buy movie tickets is they block out two seats on either side. Yeah. So there was a couple sitting next to me, two seats away. The movie starts. And if you know anything about Tenet, even going into it, Everyone's like, all right, this is probably a little confusing. We should be locked in and really like look like trying to follow everything that's going on. Okay. Another couple came on our row at the very end of our row, looked over, and I guess recognized the people that were to my right, <laughs> walked all the way down the row, passed us, and sat down in the two seats, the two empty seats next to me. This was as the movie was starting. So if you've seen the movie, this is during the Opera House attack. <laughs> And they sat down, and I thought, like, I went over, I turned to him, and I'm like, hey, you, hey, like, you actually can't sit here. And the girl was like, oh, I know, but we just, rec like, these are our friends, we're just saying hi. Then do it after. Don't do it five minutes into the movie. What are you going to talk to them about? What What are you doing? Go sit in your seats. I know, we couldn't believe it. You furious. <laughs> and so they finally, after a couple seconds of, like, saying hi to their friends, which I guess that couldn't have waited, I, between you and me. I bet they were planning to sit by them. 100%. Until I reminded them that. I'm sure they probably just expected us to move over if it bothered us. Sure. Which. Or not say uh, anything, which a lot of people. Yeah. Do. Yeah. You and I are not like that. We are we are stick to our guns. We're not moving for anyone because we paid for these oh, seats. We are at our bitchiest in a movie theater. 100%. Yeah. Yes. 
So anyway, they moved back, and I, I was also just so mad that it was in the first, like, three minutes of the movie. Well, then didn't they fall asleep halfway through? <laughs> yeah, they did. What was the movie that somebody brought a baby to, and they were just, the baby was, like, cooing? Oh, so many. But I think it was when we saw When Harry Met Sally. There's a baby cooing, and also, on the door in front of us, a baby bouncing a ball. Maybe a that. A kid bouncing yeah, a ball. Yeah, I remember that one. So anyway, but those are back. You know, these familiar feelings of just hating all the people around us. That is one thing I was looking forward to as a mile marker of knowing the pandemic was slowly on its way out. Yeah. As I'm annoyed in a movie theater again, and it feels good. Okay, what movie are we watching today? We are watching 2016's La La Land. That's right. We've seen this before. Several times. That's right. Why are we watching it? Because we love it. That's right. (laughs) I was going to say, it's kind of like, it reminds me of award season, which is coming up. So I, I remember seeing a trailer for this movie in theaters yeah, and immediately thinking, this is a movie I'm going to love. I just, I, I can, everything about this movie I love. One, it has one of my favorite living actors. The Goose! Ryan Gosling. Honk! <laughs> it's the Goose. We love the Goose. We stand for the Goose. He is incredible. And I, I don't care what anyone has to say, Chris Hodgson specifically, who doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. Uh, he is wonderful. And I love, anyway, um, and like Emma, like all the elements of it, right? Yeah. Emma Stone, like a throwback musical. I was, I knew I was, I would just, everything about this was tailored right to me. Yeah. And then I did see this in January of 2017. I drove down to Salt Lake. I was in Salt Lake for some reason. I was living in Logan, but kind of far away. And I remember sitting next to an older lady and we both kind of talked for a second because we were both by ourselves. And I remember thinking, you know, it would have been funny if I would have like got her contact information and I would just have this older lady that I went to see movies with when I was in Salt Lake. <laughs> I kind of regret that I didn't do that. I feel like that would have been... So she was a good time, meaning well, silent. <laughs> she was, yeah, right next to me, completely silent, except for like all the right parts when I was two. And then afterwards, we were both just like silently like appreciating the movie. If I was maybe a more outgoing person or like a person that had better experiences and stories in their life, I probably would have gone out of my way to be like, do you want to go see more movies and just have that be my, my Salt Lake movie friend? <laughs> what? Um, how old was she? Uh, probably in her 60s. <laughs> I wonder what she's doing now. Do you remember her name? Did no, you ever learn it? I didn't learn her name. We did like a face toward each other. Cause, oh, I think it was even like somehow we communicated that we were both by ourselves. And then she was like, I go to movies by myself all the time. I'm just here to enjoy this movie. I'm like, well, me too. I hope you have a, a good viewing. Wow. I hope she appreciated me and like <laughs> the reverence that I and the like. She's like, that was a nice young boy. Yes. That like, oh, good. Like, you're not all just on your phones the whole time. You're here to appreciate the cinema. Yeah, she probably was. I hope so. Uh, I loved it as I expected I would. Yeah. And I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Yeah. It's very good music. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, what is this? You know, like you're so intrigued. And I was. I was like, I'm going to love this movie. I was the same way. But also just being like, oh, I don't want to know like what this... Because the trailer doesn't really give anything away. It's just kind of like, what is this? All you knew was like, this will be old Hollywood style. Not even that. Actually, maybe I didn't even know that. I just knew it was going to be a musical with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Yeah. It's like one that if I'm going on a trip, I'll download and take just in case I need something to like fall. You know what I mean? It's a it's a Blu-ray I purchased late in the game, right before I started to commit to 4K. Uh, There's a few that are on this like I teeter where I'm like, man, I kind of wish I would have waited and bought you on 4K. Well, it looks great. I love this movie. 
I do too. And uh, I know it has its detractors, and I know some people have some fair criticisms of it, but um, no one can change my mind. It's one of my favorite movies, and it's just always going to sit there in my rewatch docket. People feel very strongly about this movie one way or the other. I, I have some, like, I have a take on that of why that is Oh, um, when, we, when we talk afterwards. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Uh, yeah, they really do, though, huh? Yeah, it's like you either love it or you hate it. You don't really feel like meh about well, it. I'll even say some people, there's like two camps of people that hate it. Uh, there's some people that are really into movies and people who aren't really into movies and they hate it, they hate it for different reasons. Uh-huh. And we'll explore both of those. Yeah. I also forgot to say, I saw this movie at the Broadway downtown Oh, cool. on my birthday oh. in December of 2016. And I was very um, sad and was going through something romantically. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it was really good. It was like a that was that was a good one to like to watch in those circumstances. I will also say I wasn't going through something very fresh, but uh I was going through a very like dull romantic period that was also demoralizing. I feel like this is a movie that speaks to honestly 20 to mid 30 millennials. Yeah. And it's like perfect yeah. for our group of people who were like in the midst of their early adulthood dating lives. In and professional lives, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the professional message in the movie, if that makes sense, the career aspect of it doesn't really speak to me, but I know it speaks to a lot of people our age. The year is 2016. Oh, I love it. I haven't heard this for a while. Barack Obama is the president, kind of, because this was right after the election of Donald Trump, the now former president. <laughs> <laughs> Top song of the weekend this came out. I will say, I have never heard of this song. Who is it? Black Beatles by Ray Srimmerd. Whoa. Okay. I have no idea what that song is. Okay. I don't either. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, um, remember the, 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 the challenge where everyone was like, was it the mannequin challenge where it was to that song? Everyone was doing it. All right. Some other 2016 things. Uh, the top TV uh, shows were The Walking Dead and Big Bang Theory. Walking Dead in 2016? Still. It's still going. The Big Bang Theory? Big Bang Theory is at least over. Those are two shows that are like good examples of shows that I don't understand how they're so popular. I don't really know many people at all that watch them. But they are ratings kings. They rake in so many viewers. I I, don't know who's watching them. I was a big Walking Dead stan. Yeah, everyone From like was in 2012. 2012. Yeah, yeah, when it first 2012 aired. to like 2014 but was probably were, it. I mean, like you know, what I mean? they're still watching them. Yeah, uh, Beyonce's Lemonade came out this year. Oh, sure. Stranger Things aired that summer. What a great! I didn't watch that till the fall. The vibe of season one is the best vibe. Early eighties fall. Uh, Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston. Oh, dated. What I called earlier. Oh, okay. I have t- I have receipts to prove it. I have tweets. It was a publicity stunt because later in Getaway Car, she talks about how she knew it was never going to work. That means like maybe you had like some like doubts or something. No, she was using him 100% to get back at Calvin Harris. Have you seen the pictures of them on a Rhode Island beach with like the Taylor squad? Yeah. And she's wearing I love or he's wearing a t-shirt that says I love T, t- Taylor Swift or TS, I think. Yeah, it's sweet. 
No, it's not. It's just genuine and it's love. I think his his side was genuine, yeah. But hers wasn't. Well, I can't speak about her, but I know that my boy Tom <laughs> is a sweetheart and a romantic. He is. He is. He just lost and in he, the end. You know, d- deserved better, frankly. I, I got, would agree. He got the raw deal. Totally. But haven't we all used a Tom Hiddleston in our lives? No. <laughs> I don't think she's ever dated anyone better than Tom Hiddleston. Okay. That's fair. Hamilton was also like just running rampant still. Sure. That's actually when I got into it was in 2016. Yeah, me too. Um, the 2016 presidential election had happened. Uh-huh. Uh, the Cubs also had won the World Series. First win in over 100 years. Wow. Uh, Rogue One had just come out. Right. Star Wars was like still going strong. It was really like, man, The Force Awakens was huge, but obviously that was going to be huge. And then this like spinoff movie was also very successful and well-liked. They're just going to keep going now and like steamroll every Christmas season. Yeah. And then it was just one more short year. And the Last Jedi came out and like divided everyone. And like, <laughs> and it's never really recovered ever since. The Rogue One was kind of like the last time I felt like people were still pretty united. I don't know. People really like The Mandalorian. I feel like people are all on the, in the same page on The Mandalorian. Anyway, that was 2016. Are you there right now? I am. I'm back in uh, sort of against my will. 2016 was a tough year for me. Um, it wasn't bad for me. It was pretty boring. Yeah. Let's go eat some dinner. Okay. All right. Well, we're back. We are. Oh, man. All right. What did you think of the movie? I don't know what else to say besides it's so good. My overall thoughts are that... You don't need two characters in a movie to end up together. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. What? No. I hate when movies don't do that, Courtney. I, I The true love always lasts. I hate that criticism. So that's my probably biggest annoyance with the reception of this movie is how, just how many people were like, they don't end up together at the end? Dumb movie. Look, I completely agree because so many. So I, many. I cannot emphasize Maybe nine out of ten people that I talk to about this movie totally have that opinion about it. Yeah. And I think it is... Well, nine out of ten, that's a lot. Ninety percent of the people that... I explained the fraction. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I can think of maybe like two other people who didn't have that beef with it at all. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people I know who probably like this movie and are fine with that. But the people I had like a conversation with like near the release of this movie... That was the biggest criticism I've, I had of, like, people gave to me of it. Yeah. Which yeah. I, you know, and this is just me being very judgmental, but it's like, maybe be smart enough that you can be challenged <laughs> by a movie. And I know that some people are just looking for movies as, like, a escapism, right? And, like, comfort food. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I guess an ending like that would does not fit into that. If you want to, like, passively have a movie happen at you. And maybe you thought, well, this is going to be like a romantic musical. Maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to give as much benefit as I can (laughs) to people like that. But for the most part, I'm like, that's, you should be fine with that happening in the movie because it's great. Okay. I'm going to say something that doesn't make like a lot of sense. (laughs) Great, great start. Um, The point of the movie is that like either way, if she would have ended up either way with either one of them it still would have been a great movie it still would like you know what i mean maybe i know it doesn't really make sense but like the point is that your life can be so many different things and they can all be great you don't end up with every person you ever dated yeah this is probably why i like hold it in like esteem of like 500 days of summer in my mind 
because mm-hmm. the same way that like 500 Days of Summer visualized the expectation versus reality scene, I've never quite seen something visualize like the weird feeling of running into someone. Yes. And you do think of, oh, what if I'd ended up with that person? Yeah. And you roll, we run through it and I like something, I, I know we're already talking about the ending, but like even the part, like that dream sequence where it replays events that happened but in the right in like the quotes right way right uh-huh. like a perfect way of how their story should have been and i feel like that happens too when you see people you like kind of romanticize what it was like with them but it, that actually wasn't what it was like yeah never seen it quite so like expertly visualized like the feeling of that sensation of like seeing someone and they did it in a way that matched the that sequence at the end where they're like doing the dance number and it still matches like the 50s and it's the hollywood ending yeah. actually i have some stuff about that too i don't oh. know if you want me to oh i'll get to it I'll get okay to it. okay so i was thinking the best parts of that movie are I wonder if you agree with me. Number one, the dance sequence at the beginning. Yes. And the dance sequence at the end. Yep. There's also the the planetarium. Planetarium is very good. That part's great. A lovely night is also very good. That's what I was talking about. Sorry. There's a lot of dance sequences. (laughs) I was talking about lovely night. That's that part and then the dance sequence at the end, I would say are the two best parts. Yes, absolutely. Did you know, you know this, I'm, I'm more saying this for the, like the sake that we're having <laughs> sure. people listening to our conversation. <laughs> I run to these songs yeah, at the yeah, gym. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a big runner too. So it takes a lot for like a song to like break through how much I hate running to like actually motivate me to run, but they are good songs to run to. Maybe I'll try that. Another Day of Sun is probably one of the best ones to run to. Oh, okay. Someone in the crowd has a lull at the wrong point. It's pretty good for like the first minute or so. And then uh-huh. you got to like either basically stop running or just run through like nothing for a while, which yeah, is kind of hard. Until he hits the pool, that big. Yes. And then the, like, that finale. Yeah. Um, uh, Lovely Night's also a good one to run to. Okay. Wow. I never would have imagined. Mm-hmm. The finale too is also like, I like running to that one too. Also weird lulls. There's like the guy does like the little trumpet solo. Yeah. Anyway, you maybe try it out because okay. I really like running yeah, that I'll try stuff. that. I have like things I've learned about the movie, the way it was made. I also have just stray thoughts I wrote down while watching it. What do you want to hear first? I would like to hear stray thoughts, I believe. All right. Some stray thoughts. What does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down nosy parents. Were parents nosy? Does she ever like call her mom or anything? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember this. Okay, she's all she's with him. She's with Sebastian at like when they're oh, living together. And her yes. mom's like, "Well, what's he doing? Well, what's his plan? What's this?" And I'm like, "Whoa, wow!" Like, how parent? Like, he's yeah. he's off. Okay, so these are the stray thoughts I had. Okay, okay. And like, this is kind of throwing myself under the bus because I would say I'm probably one of these people, but like, one hobby people. You know what I mean? Like, Sebastian is so like he loves jazz and nothing else. Uh-huh. And like one hobby people are weird. Yeah. I'm a one hobby person to some extent. Uh, I don't really have hobbies. You're hobbyless. (laughs) I'm a zero hobby person. (laughs) I'm like hyper focused into one hobby with a a slight side hobby. So like film and then maybe politics on the side. I used to really be into music. Yeah. In high school before. Yeah. Maybe as much as movies. I was never like into music, but. Like, music was never a hobby, but I was a lot more into music in high school. Yeah, I used to go to a lot of concerts. I can't. They're hard now. I would want to be at one where I could sit down and 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No more like in the venue concerts. Well, I do remember I went to I went to a couple of years ago with Mark Matthews, who was like my regular like concert buddy. Uh, we I remember we went to it was like a ska band. It was like five years ago, and we like went to like a they do like a ska circle, only like the dumb little kicks, you know. Yeah. And we did like one song. And then we both kind of looked at each other, acknowledged like we're both a little embarrassed, but we both need to step out for a second and just like catch our breaths. We were just like, wow. It was one of those weird things like the first time I had to take Dramamine at Lagoon. We were like, I guess I'm getting old, which I guess is weird. I can't ride roller coasters anymore. I thought like your 20s is supposed to be your prime. In, sure. In Rocky, he is 30 and they say this is your prime over and over. Your prime physical form. Yeah, in the lagoon, you kind of, if you go really hard, you need like an Arby's break in the middle of the day. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. We always finish with the hardest ride, and the hardest ride is the one that makes us the sickest. That's true, yeah. And then we go find food after. Then, yeah. Like, we go, like, well, you always start with bumper cars, too. Sure, yeah. We're big lagooners. We love amusement parks. Yeah, that's not like a unique thing. <laughs> we love thrills. <laughs> but, our, like, I would say some people are not amusement park people, and I, I'm, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. I'm not like an amusement park person. Yeah. But I, I love amusement parks. Okay, some other thoughts. What did you think of Ryan Gosling's fashion in this movie? Okay, it's very stylized. It's it's not like real fashion. He's making real choices. I can't tell if it just looks good because it's Ryan Gosling wearing it because there's a lot Absolutely. of there's a lot of like forties style zoot suity shirts uh-huh. with crew neck white shirts underneath. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, it's Ryan Gosling 100%. That wouldn't look good on anybody. Okay, so you're saying the style is bad. Um, Not all of it. I mean, when he's wearing like a fitted suit, no one wears it better than our guy. Okay? <laughs> sure, yeah. The, the goose um, is cooking, okay? He I looks, mean... When he's in that brown suit with the, with the oh, vest... Oh, the brown suit's great. In fact, I think at the end, they, they really... It's, it's a real injustice to have her, Mia's husband in real life... Just kind of wear a regular fitting whatever suit. Yeah. In contrast to Ryan Gosling in the dream sequence wearing just like a fitted, nice tailor, just showing off everything. I know. He's yeah. he looks great. In oh this my movie. gosh. It is I tried so long to like match his hairstyle. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? Yeah, I couldn't quite do it. His hair's just different than mine, although his part is kind of further in. It sounds like isolated, that style is not very good. Uh, right, yeah. If I just saw a guy wearing that. Yeah, you'd be like, what the hell? I'd be like, did you come out of a time machine? What yeah, are you doing? That'd be awful. Yeah, okay. All if right. I saw someone driving that car, seriously. No, the car's okay. Uh, shut up. The car, yeah, the car's fine. Nobody's driving that kind of car. Well, like that Cadillac? Like, nobody's like, that's like a collector's car. So if you're driving that car, it's like, it's not your only car, right? That, I don't know. That, I'm more fine with that. I'm like, oh, wow, cool, stylish. But if you're wearing that, it's you're kind of like, I don't know what you're trying to do. What or if you if see it together and you see the you see the get up and you see the car and you're just, okay, I get it. Well, if I saw a guy in that in wearing his clothes driving that car, I would just think he was a really big fan of La La Land. I don't know if I... <laughs> if I see a guy in that outfit with even like the, the dance shoes on Tuxedo too, shoe, just yeah. like walking around town... You'd wonder if he was doing it on purpose or not, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Okay. That's like when I'm really big into TikTok, as you know. Yeah. I scroll all night. A place that I found myself on TikTok is Vintage TikTok, where I just watch these people put on vintage makeup and do vintage hair. What's What era is vintage? It's like 40s. It's the one that I, like, always pulls up for me is like 40s, 50s, sometimes 60s, but primarily like 40s. 
And I think it's so interesting. But I always wonder, I mean, these people like, it's not like they're just doing this for TikTok. They're like getting ready for the day. So they're like wearing vintage clothes and they're doing vintage style hairstyles and they'll talk about it like, like, oh yeah, when I started doing vintage hairstyles, this da, 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 I, this is what I learned. And I, I feel like if you lived in a bigger city, maybe you would, if you lived in LA, I'm sure you would see oh, it a lot yeah. more. And but it, like, and it's it, just it wouldn't so foreign stand to me. out, I don't think, if you lived, if you were like in LA or New York. Yeah. More, here, more LA than New York, actually. Yeah, totally. I don't know. If I saw someone walking in downtown Salt Lake like that, I think I would just be like, huh, yeah, I wonder you, where you they're wouldn't, going. You wouldn't like yell at them and be like... <laughs> Explain yourself. What the hell are you doing? It's just like if I saw somebody walking in our neighborhood like that, all decked out, I'd be like, where are they going? What's what's the story? You know You know what's weird is that I feel like 50s style for men, if you saw someone walking like that and like dressed like in the 50s style, it kind of wouldn't look that weird. Well, except like they'd be probably wearing a hat, which would be kind of weird. Do you think hats are ever coming back? You ask me this a lot. <laughs> like until, I, until I get the answer I want. <laughs> I don't know. Everything comes back around, so I don't know. Did, when did I probably asked this too? When did we? When did we lose them? When did the country take the hat off? Probably the early seventies, I would say. Okay. Late sixties. Counterculture stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like, you wore a hat. You were like, oh, you square, government man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally. I'm growing up my beard. And then we got like other hats but they weren't like formal like business you know, hats you weren't like people walking down the street in a hitchcock movie everyone's wearing right a hat. yeah get my jacket and my hat um have you ever just left a date i don't think i have I'm not saying i wouldn't do it maybe if i lived in a town that was big and not like logan utah when i was like really dating because you'd be like i'll see this person yeah or they know someone, or we have mutual friends. Did that happen in the movie? She gets up in the middle of her date and leaves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That would probably feel very empowering. Yeah. You're just like, I think I'm done with this. I will say the closest I've ever come to feeling that way. I've told you the story before, but may I retell uh, it? Please. This is going to be a little bit of a on a high horse about an issue. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, you know... Y- Anyone can watch whatever movies they want to. I personally enjoy an R-rated film. And I was going to watch a movie with a girl. We were texting. There's no way she'll ever listen to this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, let's watch No Country for Old Men because I hadn't seen it before. And I had just, like, for some reason, John Penrod had sold me his Blu-ray of it for $4. <laughs> and it's like a, it, it's the best picture. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's really good. Everyone should watch it. the idea of him being like, you can have this, but it's going to cost you $4. Well, he's like, I think he had bought it for five. So he was selling it to me for four <laughs> as like, that was like, hey, you know, I'm good for it. Sure. Uh, so anyway, she, I, she was like, is that rated R? I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, I actually don't watch rated R movies. Can you watch something else? And I was like, you know what? No. And I texted her and I was like, I basically said that. Like, if that's an issue, it's going to be, like, maybe we shouldn't do this, And uh, but, like, good yeah. luck with everything. And she got really mad. Well, She was like, there's plenty of PG-13 movies we can watch. I'm like, of course there are, but, uh, like, you're... I want to watch this one. Yeah, and this is going to be... I, I'm like, I'm doing you a favor. You're not, like, you're not going to want to... Anyway. You know, she tells all of her friends, he wouldn't go on a date with me because I wouldn't watch a Raider. And they're movie. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Why don't you just suggest Nacho Libre or Princess Bride? <laughs> But that is the most where I was like, I'm just going to, you know, like I felt, it did feel very empowering. It felt very assertive. Yeah. One time my brother set me up with someone hmm. in the Air Force. 
was bizarre. And I drove down from Logan. I met him in Ogden. And he was like, oh, he's like, like before he was like, I'll come and get you. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I was like, no, I'll just meet you there. Oh, because then you're stuck. Yeah. I just got to take you all the way back. That's a long drive. Oh, yeah. He was like very nice. And he asked me where I wanted to go to dinner. And I told him, <laughs> I told him the Zupas right off the freeway. Nice. And then he tried to pay for my meal. I was like super not into it. Because we'd been like texting and it was too much. Like he was like very like lovey. Like I'd never met him before. And so we like ate dinner and I was like, all right, take care. Bye. That was kind of it. I think it was probably 25, 30 minutes long. And then he sent me like he sent me this long text that was like, he was like, I've like come up with a date idea mm-hmm. and for next time, I think it would be really cool if we like got dinner and then um, he wanted to do a paper lantern like, <laughs> you know, you shoot off the paper lanterns and I was sure. like, this is not. And then he kept texting me for the next six months, like, t- how, and I would never regularly? respond. Probably like once a month, he would be like, hey, how are you? I would never respond. <laughs> That's the closest I've gotten to like. Not blowing off a date, but... Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you another dating story I just remembered? Yeah. It's just the time when I my friend had set me up on a, a date with a girl that lived like in Provo. I maybe had gone mm-hmm. on two dates with her. It was fine, and she was like far away anyway. Like two months later, that same friend was like, hey, I'm driving through Logan on my way up to Idaho for something. Let's like stop by. Let's like like catch up really quick and get Cafe Rio. Oh, uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I went over to meet him there, and I pull up. And she is there and he is not there. (laughs) And it was an elaborate because I don't think that he really knew that I was not into it and had kind of I had thought like killed it, you know. So he was like, oh, this is great. Like I'll kind of like trick him into going there and like she'll be there. And so she was and she was like, hey. And Oh, that's so awkward. What do you say? Like you're supposed to take me on a date now? Yeah. So what did she say? Basically that, like, surprise, like, it's me, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I was like, are you are you on your way to Idaho? Like, what's going on? She's like, no, I'm here. Great. I hadn't showered or changed or, like, dressed for this. Also, I was going to get a haircut tonight, so I got, like, <laughs> oh. I need to, like, reschedule my haircut. Why didn't you just say, like, sorry, I got to get to a haircut. She's driven from Provo. <laughs> yeah, okay. Gosh, so then I... Uh, Paid for a dinner, and then we went back and watched The Dark Knight. She just sat there, and like I was just like, this sucks. I was so mad. <laughs> it sucks so much. That was the last time I ever saw her. You know what? That's a that that's like a dick thing for my friend to do. Which friend was it? He's a kid from a mission. Oh, Justin Swanson. You've never met him. Oh. I really like him. He was really funny. I really. He just lo- did something stupid. I ah oh, man. Um, he honks his horn a lot. Yeah, he does. That's a that's annoying. That's very obnoxious. I that would have been like not a, not a deal breaker, but that early on probably I'd be like, oh, you gotta stop. One that. one time, funny. Is You'd be it? like, if you had like already first time on a date, he does that. That's stupid. But like, if you did that, uh, actually, no, I'd be really annoyed. If it's you. not charming. When it's she, not. When she's it's, like you're right. when her friends, her roommates, like, oh, is that gonna happen every time? I think so. <laughs> I just that always like has struck me false. It just doesn't like he's so smooth and stylish. I so know. like what is he doing? 
being so he's quirky. But if like someone in your neighborhood just was honking their horn late at night, <gasps> can you imagine in in this neighborhood? I'm on the side of the guy who came out. He's like throwing the phone book at him. Oh, totally. It's like stop doing that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. It's also reminded me of my dream to one day own a small theater that plays movies on their anniversary the anniversary theater yeah patent I pending i didn't know if you wanted me to share that yeah well no one don't steal that idea <laughs> i mean it basically is already being done by megaplex theaters every time every year but it would be like my little thing anyway i was always just like what what would be like my dream and yeah. I, I was just like he wants to own his club that'd be like mine i guess um do you like jazz sometimes i think i'm like if it's like very jazz I'm not really yeah, into I it. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes I'll I'll do like cafe jazz. Sure. The vibe of his club is cool. Yeah. I think like the vibe of a jazz club would be cool. Yeah, totally. But anyway, yeah. They achieve their dream within five years. Both of them do. Amazing. Incredible. Which I always thought was like kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I guess she had been doing it for six years already. So it's like 11 years. So maybe it's not super weird, but... I do think that's funny that they both achieve their dreams. Yeah. Neatly. Like she is now a famous actress and he owns this like seemingly well, yeah, successful but that, club. That contributes to like also it's okay if you want to not be in love with – like if you want to like go your Part separate ways. ways. Yeah. I was also just thinking it probably would be really depressing to move to LA and be an actor. Totally. Yeah. And did I tell you that there was like probably like 2016 or 17, I had like just gotten my master's degree that I didn't want to use. And I was like, what am I going to do? I told you about like I not seriously entertained like not as not I didn't entertain it as much as like the thought of moving to Australia. Yeah. But I was like, what if I moved? What if I moved to California for five months and tried to be an actor and just I was going to do it for five months and bail if I didn't get a job? (laughs) Did I tell you about that? I don't think so. I went as far as like I told Taylor Nowin about it one time. She was like, you should do it. You should go do it. <laughs> that would have been weird. Uh, well, it kind of just like, would have been like a fun summer. That's the thing is like. But it would have been lonely. People who do that have like cool stories always. They have cooler stories than I have. Well, and I would have. About doing the safe thing. I'm you know? positive like statistically nothing would have ever come from that. Right. <laughs> I'm not being like, oh, maybe though. Like, But yeah, it would have just been like, oh, a weird summer where I did a bunch of auditions. Yeah. And even if I got nothing, that's even a go, like kind of an okay story too. Yeah. To be like, I moved to California for three months and I didn't get a single job. <laughs> but I, the plan was I wasn't going to have a job there. I was going to like save up enough money just to live for like three to four months. Uh-huh. And I was just going to, all, my, my job would be to get auditions. Knowing you now that I can't believe that you ever entertained something like that. Really? I mean, I can. But I love movies though. I know, but... Just like, even when she's auditioning, I just, uh, I would freeze in like any sort of audition situation. I would be okay in an audition. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't get anxiety if I'm reciting Performing? something memorized. Holy crap. The the thing that I would, like, I thought about this, when they're like, you're a storyteller, tell us something. Oh my gosh, I know. That's when I would be like, shit, I have no idea what to say. I know. But if it was like, if it was a lot, like I'd memorized a line, I could do that actually. Like I don't get, I think my anxiety comes from not knowing the uncertainty. That's why like people who do improv, it's amazing to me because I just couldn't do it. But I don't really like any sort of performance or presentation ever. I kind of like performing. I know. We'll see what the next year is like. Maybe we'll move out to LA. You say that? I would love it. I would love to live in, like, to just for a little, like, 
I've always thought that would be so fun. I mean, so many people do. It's like, that's why you moved to LA. Well, this is what we... And then it ends up sucking. <laughs> this is what you we would do if we did do this. We would like save up enough money to like just cover base expenses. And it would just be like, you'd be putting money into an experience and not hoping yeah. to recoup anything, right? Yeah. We would just basically leave Utah for three months, lease like a cheap like apartment for three months and just live there. That would be so fun. Shouldn't he maybe look into that? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, the problem is like... <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of serious. <laughs> Well, but we, what? the only, tr- the trick would be we'd have to like save up. You'd have to be, well, and also it would have to be like. Because we have a house here, but we, this house would stay here. Yeah, we wouldn't sell the house. It would also have to be like. We could Airbnb it. For three months? You could like, what is it called? Like sublet? You could sublet. No, we just Airbnb it. it. The problem would be. What? Quitting your job. You'd have to have something else lined up when you go. <laughs> Shit. Or you about. could be like, can I work remote for the next three months? I have an opportunity, or my husband has an opportunity, blah, 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 blah. But you could also line it up where you could be like, okay, we're going to save up. I'm going to quit. And before I quit, I'm going to arrange something so that when I come back, you know, you would like. Yeah, that's true. And then you would take three months off. See, that's why before when I was thinking about it, I, it was a lot more flexible because I, right. Lo- I was in Logan and like that would be easy just to like leave and come back. What time would we go? Would, we, would you want to do it over the summer or over like winter? It'd be nicer in the winter. I feel like, I, w- oh, I know we should look into it. When do people get hired for stuff mostly? Because it used to be like, you get hot, you try to get in there in the spring or summer because then they start filming pilots in the fall or they yeah. film pilots in the summer to get picked up in the fall. So that's like the time to get in. I mean, obviously that, that, that infrastructure of television will never change, mm-hmm. but it's very different now. I don't, I want, I don't know. Wow. What a weird idea. Yeah, well, maybe we'll look into that. <laughs> that just happened in real time. This is something I like to do in PG-13 movies with you. Now, as you know, PG-13s have one golden use of the word. <laughs> okay. Do you remember when the usage of is in this movie? No, I don't. I don't even notice it anymore. I'll throw in the clip, but it's when he's like talking to, they're like talking together. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. It feels really nostalgic to me. Is That's it too nostalgic? Yeah, That's... Are people going to like it? <laughs> you always say that. Well, I truly believe it. Oh, sure. Is that a good use of the word? I don't mind it. It's not like it doesn't give you like a the angry, like satisfaction that that word kind of gives you. Yeah. If you just got the one of them. But I can't think of another time in the movie that it would have been appropriate. I think maybe in the argument or when she was like, I'm quitting acting. I, there are worse uses, but I don't really like it. Oh. I think it's too throwaway. Yeah. In a movie where you only get one, it feels very out of place. It ha- if you only get one, you're assuming these people never say it. So when you hear it, it has to really underscore, hmm. like, this scene is different. All right, those are my, like, little asides that I wrote down. Okay. Did you write down any or did you have any that you remember? I have something from TikTok <laughs> that I learned. I would oh. like to play it. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, absolutely. They used colors to also depict the relationship. And so in the first act of the film, with the wardrobe and, and backgrounds, you'll see Mia and Sebastian are wearing primary colors. So Mia, like that that scene with her girlfriends, and they have that song, the dresses they're wearing, it's a primary red, primary blue, primary yellow, and green. So all primary colors. Same thing with Sebastian, he's wearing the blue suit. And then 
you'll see that in the first act because the two characters aren't connected. So primary colors, they're not blended together to make other colors yet, but they're used to make other colors, you know, red, red, yellow, and blue. And so when, when me and, and Sebastian begin dating and they become getting connected, then the color palettes will change where you'll see the sunset when they have that famous dance and the sunsets behind them. The sunset's a blending of primary colors because it's blue at the top and then red on the bottom and it blends into a purple. And then for the City of Stars song, when they're in the apartments they, and they begin singing the song at his piano, there's that green lighting pouring in through the windows. And green also is a blending of two primary colors, yellow and blue, because they're connected, they're a couple, and so the colors are connected. But then when they begin falling out of their relationship, the primary colors start coming back, and especially in the final scene in the jazz club when, when Sebastian is, owns the jazz club, and the light in the jazz club, it's blue and red, two primary colors, the neon-colored lights, because they're not connected anymore, so the primary colors are back. And so they use color as a way to also translate these the stages of their relationship. Sometimes I see stuff like that, and I'm like, was that like just coincidental? Yeah, I know but, what you mean. But also, I know that some people, look, you work on this for years, and picking out color schemes is yeah. very intentional. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it like matches. It, it totally makes sense. I do know some of her outfits were picked to uh, mirror classic leading ladies. I wondered that at the very end. She's got like a Debbie Reynolds look at the end. In I don't remember. Dance I didn't read that one. The two that I read was the dress that she, the green dress she wears on the first day is modeled after Judy Garland's dress from A Star is Born. Oh. She's wearing black trousers when they go on like their day date, kind of. Or like when it's like that montage, which okay. is supposed to look, uh, resemble Audrey Hepburn in Funny Face. But maybe, maybe there are other ones too. I didn't think like a specific one came to mind for me, but it makes sense that she would just, that look was like 40s, 50s. Damien Chazelle wrote and directed this movie. Yes. And maybe it's not so weird that uh, the main characters achieve their dreams so quickly because his career is crazy. Well, let's hear it. He's young. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Is he the guy who held up the actual winner of Best Picture Oscar? I don't think so. I think it might have been one of the producers. I'll have to look. Okay. He's a young guy. He basically did one low-budget film, which I've seen, called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. That was like his senior thesis at college. And then he did a short film called Whiplash, which he then turned into a feature film. Oh, he did Whiplash. Yeah, with Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, where J.K. Simmons won the Oscar. That was basically his second movie. Oh my gosh. And it won three Oscars, was also nominated for Best Picture, and then he did this. I've never seen Whiplash. It's great. It's crazy. All right. I would love to watch it. Um, Like J.K. Simmons absolutely deserved that Oh, that's why J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Yeah. And he's... In the five minutes he's in it, he's great. Well, and because he plays a jazz teacher who's like insane. They have a very like terrible relationship. Yeah. And that kind of the joke in this movie is that he hates jazz. Very easy to work with, man. And you're going to play the set list. Happy to. Even though I don't think anyone cares what I play. But yeah. yeah. Well, if by anyone you mean anyone other than me, that would be correct. I care and I don't want to hear the free jazz. Right. Okay. Although I, I... I thought in this town it worked on a sort of one for you, one for me type system. How about two for you, one for me? How about all for you and none for me? That's perfect, yes. Great. Okay. Okay, mutual decision then. Right, made, made by me. Right, and I sign off on it, so. Whatever, tell yourself what you want to know. Well, welcome back. There's a nice way to say that, Karen. He'd been trying to get this movie made. He'd had this idea for like a while. 
I think like about 10 years, he conceived the idea while he was at Harvard with his classmate, Justin Hurwitz, who did the music. So they together did the low budget senior thesis, Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. Some of the tunes from La La Land are in Guy and oh. Madeline on a Park Bench. I watched that over the summer. Oh, this is the same music. Like, that stuff, that's from that movie as well. Damien Chazelle was also like really into jazz and he's like a musician as well. So that's why like Whiplash is all about jazz and it's a big part of La La Land. So he wanted to take the old musical but ground it in real life where things don't exactly work out. The point of the movie is also to salute creative people who move to LA to chase dreams, which as someone who doesn't really have like a dreams burnt, like a passion burning within me for like a career. <laughs> that stuff never connected with me, but I know that it does for a lot of people. Yeah. That like element of the movie, like the here's to the ones who dream. That sequence never really does anything for me. I also, it doesn't really connect with me either, except for it's lovely. It was originally set in Boston when they first wrote it, but they want, they changed the setting to LA because he said, there is something very poetic about a city that is built by people with these unrealistic dreams and people who just kind of put it all on the line for that. What's very specific to LA, like the traffic. So the opening number they wanted to be set in traffic. I cannot imagine this movie set in Boston. I know. So they took it to Focus Features, who gave them a $1 million budget. This is early on, right after they left Harvard. And they demanded alterations. They wanted the male lead to be changed from a jazz pianist to a rock musician. Uh, They wanted the opening number to be altered. And they wanted the story's bittersweet ending to be dropped. They wanted to change three-fourths of it? Yeah, like everything interesting about it. And then after his success with Whiplash, obviously, like... I just... his, His career is insane to me. I was watching a video with him, and he is so young. Our age, definitely. Wow. Yeah, while making this. The initial cast was Miles Teller and Emma Watson. Watson dropped out because of commitments to Beauty and the Beast. Oh, this does sound familiar. Yeah, and Teller also dropped out because of long, it says long contract negotiations. Okay. Which is weird because that feels like they had a disagreement. Yeah, and he just was kind of like, I don't know. Which is weird because they had worked together. Yeah. But also, I've just heard Miles Teller's kind of a dick. I've heard that too. I like Ryan Gosling a hell of a lot more. So Me too. I'm kind of happy with the way this worked out. I like Emma. I like Emma Watson, but I, I, Emma Stone. I just feel like that pairing works better anyway. I am not not an Emma Watson fan, but she's never like my first choice for pretty much anything. No, there's. I so- wouldn't even. She's fine in Little Women, but. There's something a little stilted about her. Yeah, she doesn't feel very natural. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, she's, I think she's, she's very talented. I would say she's fine yeah. talented. I don't even think she's a great actor. She's not bad. No. But like, I kind of, oh, I'm going to say this. I wonder what she would be without Harry Potter. Probably, like, Probably is not she, very much. Well, she's very pretty though. Okay. She's pretty. But like, would she have gotten as far as she did without Harry Potter? It's impossible to say. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't think she has the same kind of chemistry with no. Ryan Gosling. I, you know what I mean? Oh, and this is their third movie together. Crazy Stupid Love, and Gangster Squad, which is terrible. Ironically enough, Gosling turned down the role as the Beast in Beauty and the Beast to be in La La Land. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a good use of like his Beauty star and the charisma. Beast was fine. I haven't seen it. You haven't? No. And oh, you like Beauty and the Beast. It's funny because I was in a, pro- a high school production of Beauty and oh, the Beast. Oh, here we go. But what was weird was the movie came out 10 years to the day. That we did our play. That's crazy. Isn't that super weird? Yeah. Those Disney remakes are just they're they're mm. they're aggressively fine. I would I would say Beauty and the Beast is like 
among the better ones. Yeah, but prob- it's still I, just I imagine kind of it would like, rank eh. higher. I I intend to see it, but yeah. I just haven't gone around to it. The best one's Jungle Book, right? Well, Cinderella I've heard is the best one because oh, that sure. was a, that was before they were Jungle Book was the one where they were like, oh, we could do this with all of them and make a yeah. billion dollars with each one. Yeah, except as I told you the other day, I have a I don't want any more Cinderella adaptations, and that was kind of I felt that way with that Cinderella. I do want to see that. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen that? No, I've heard it's okay. I mean, I've heard it's yeah, pretty good. Lily James is great. Right. I actually, you know what? I guess technically Alice in Wonderland happened before that. Those are... A nightmare to look at. Yes. One time, I was late to a movie with our friends. And it was like, I was too late. I would have missed the whole beginning. And I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well just see a movie. The only thing playing at that time was that Alice in Wonderland movie. And I sat through it. That's a terrible trade. It was awful. I should have gone home. When they ended up casting Gosling and Emma Stone, uh, Damien Chazelle decided to make the characters a little older in the story as well, and to focus more on the experience of struggling to make your dreams rather than initially people coming to L.A., to uh, newcomers arriving in L.A. Gosling learned tap dance and the piano for this movie. He's so damn talented. John Legend, who's very good at the piano, learned how to play the guitar for the movie because they switched them. Can I just say, okay, I love John Legend. I love him so much. I love his music. I uh, love him. And I don't I, know enough about him to have an opinion. I don't have a negative opinion, but. Like so talented. And I I just, I really like his personality too. But anyway, I like almost wanted more of that pairing. I always feel that way in this because you don't get much. He's just kind of like a background character. But I would love to see John Legend do more. I also don't think he's a bad actor. You might think this is interesting then because he talked about how he had to write a song that had to be bad enough that Gosling would feel like he was selling out, but good enough that people would like it. And you said that was kind of a challenge. He, but like he nailed it. Yeah, That's, that song is like also it's pretty fine. Yeah, like it's it is. good. It's catchy. I like it, but you, I know you don't love it. I well, like it's like rock jazz. Yeah, which maybe if I was more into jazz, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not offended by it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you listened to a lot of John John Legend no. music? Oh my gosh, I lo- his voice is great. So filming, okay. Okay. The style and tone was very inspired by two old French movies that I I did not plan this. I watched very recently. Oh. It's one's called The Umbrellas of Sher- of Cherbur- Cherbourg. <laughs> Cherbourg. Oh, and the Young Girls of Rochefort. You watched both of those movies. I did. Wow. At work. Um. <laughs> They're French by Jacques Demy. Okay. I just wanted to show you like a little bit of this dance number. Because when I was watching it, I was like, this sounds a lot like La La Land. Oh yeah, totally. Isn't that crazy? Uh-huh. And like the style, look at the style of it, like the clothing and like the coloring. Uh-huh. This was the song in particular that I was like, this sounds just like them. And then I'll just well, show you. Well, on the subject matter, we're a pair of carefree young things. Yeah. yeah. And the opening number was very similar where it's like this elaborate set piece. It's actually kind of cool. They're on like a ferry. The camera stays on the ferry while everything's moving around them. That's cool. So there's a lot of visual allusions to old Hollywood classics as well, like Singing in the Rain, The Bandwagon, and American in Paris. I've never seen an American in Paris. We should watch it. It's great. I love musicals from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah. Especially Tap. And maybe that's why this like the Lovely Night sequence is what we're, like my, my standout sequence in the movie, because uh-huh. like, 
something about tap. I'll just like, no matter what I'm doing, I'll just kind of stop and have to watch it. It's fascinating. So I spent the last couple, probably the last year or so, we're watching a lot of older movies too. And I watched a ton of Fred Astaire ones. Some of those sequences, like especially in the bandwagon and like Royal Wedding are incredible. They're incredible. It's crazy. It's I don't, it's nuts. The craziest is when they do the like tiny little tap movements that are so difficult. Yeah. There's one in Royal Wedding where they're performing and it was like based on something that really happened to them. They're performing on a ship and the ship is having like turbulent weather. So they're like being rocked back and forth. And so while they're dancing, all this furniture is sliding around around them and they have to like adapt. And it's like very funny and very clever and creative. (laughs) And it is just, it's very, very cool. I would like that. They filmed this from August to September in 2015 in more than 60 locations across and near LA. It took 40 days to complete the shooting. Wow. Chazelle wanted to film the musical numbers head to toe, meaning in like in a single take like they used to. It's wonderful i think that's why i remember yeah. when i was first watching this thinking like i love this what like a perfect love and i know that's what people kind of maybe i don't know criticize but maybe don't really like about it i just it's like such a perfect love letter to these older movies uh-huh. so like he also wanted to emulate cinemascope which was like a style of presentation in the 50s maybe you've seen that in old movies where it's like presented in cinemascope at the yeah. beginning of the movie um which actually that technology is not really available any longer but he was trying to kind of like shoot the film so it was like that so he shot on film didn't use digital and he used the cinemascope aspect ratio of 2.55 to 1 but everything that he could do to kind of just like capture old hollywood musical feel the big sequences i have for you another day of sun mm-hmm. it's stitched together okay and you can kind of tell where they cut like the door opening the door opening, it's more like people will like jump in front of the camera and usually oh, that will okay. like conceal cuts. Kind of like the in Got like it. 1917 where you can be like, I bet that was where they cut. Mandy Moore, not not the Mandy right, Moore we the, know. The choreographer. Yeah, oh, okay. You I did. Know yeah. Who she is. So she's the she was the choreographer of the movie. She emphasized working on emotion rather than technique. So in teaching all these dance numbers to Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, they were like, We don't need you to be perfect dancers or even any perfect singers, which some people have criticized this movie for. Okay. Which I don't, it doesn't really bother me at all. Me neither. Um, because they wanted it to feel a bit more naturalistic anyway when like they're dancing. But so Another Day of Sun, it was the first thing to be shot. They closed off a portion of a two carpool direct connector ramps for three days. So they did one day of rehearsal and two days of filming. How do you get away with that in LA? Well, I was watching a thing about this. One of the producers said that LA, the city is like kind of more lenient on for permits for that. Yeah, we'll let you film something in our town because it's it's LA. It was 109 degrees. It was one of the hottest days of the year. Each performer had two spare sets of costumes stored in the cars to change between takes because they would just get so sweaty. Oh my gosh. Mandy Moore hid beneath a car so she could bark out instructions to the dancers. And if you look closely, you can see dents on the hoods and roofs of the cars from when they would have to like do a take, then get off. They had like pick specific cars that would be able to support the people standing on them when they did. And then I did, I, I didn't find this in the research, but I remember hearing about this, uh, the truck where they lift up and there's like the people and the band players inside. Yeah. Apparently on the day of the door got jammed, it like wouldn't work. Oh. So they actually have people on top of the van and the camera just kind of goes in close. So you can't see the top and people pull it open instead of it just flying open. That's, 
a, a wonderful sequence. Yeah. I love that. That is like the perfect thing to drop you in and you're just like, ah, I know. Ex-. And they were like, we wanted to make a statement with this. Uh-huh. And so that when you start the movie, you know exactly the kind of movie that you're in for. Yeah, and everyone's like bright colors. And Chazelle was like, I, you know, I want people to know if they're not going to like it and want to leave the theater, they can know in the first five minutes. <laughs> Someone in the crowd. I don't really have anything for that. I have two observations. I don't, this probably won't mean anything to you. You know how when you're like watching something um, and then years later you've seen all of the other things that those actors did and you watch this movie again? No, I know um, what you're talking about though. It's like how Joel so, McHale's in Spider-Man 2 yes, as a yeah. bank teller. <laughs> exactly like that. So her, she has three roommates. Two of them I recognized. One of them, I, and I don't know their names. So this is why it's also not very good information. The blonde one was in Happy Death Day. Hmm. And ha- I think Happy Death Day 2. To You is the title. Is it really? Happy Death Day to You with uh, oh, the number weird. two. Weird. Not oh, weird. Gosh. Clever. Good marketing. I, I actually don't mind that movie. <laughs> it's like a garbage. You're in the garbage horror. Yeah. Uh, not like too crazy, but like a, I did like that one. <laughs> and then the other one um, is in Crazy Rich Asians. She's the British mm. one who has the accent. I always think that's weird when that happens. It also happened today when we were at the gym. So they were playing The Great Gatsby in the theater. The girl who plays Jordan is the girl from Tenet. Oh, Elizabeth Debicki? Yes. You know, she's also in a movie we didn't really like, The Kitchen. You're right. I remember now. Mm-hmm. Lovely Night was six minutes long. It had to be completed during the magic hour moment of sunset. So nothing is artificially done, which is amazing because that scene looks crazy. Like it always will. Yeah. It will never like age or look fake. No. Even though it, I always wondered if it, if it had been doctored at all. Yeah. But it, it, it Or at isn't. least if there was like a filter or something. No, nothing. It took eight takes and two days to shoot. Gosling and Stone were not dancers and they made a number of mistakes during the un- uninterrupted takes. One of them is in the movie. I told you this. She trips a little bit. Yeah, but it looks like it's on purpose. It does. And it's not a big one. But I kind of like that that's in there. Yeah. City of Stars. The only thing I really have to say about that is it is cadencing in minor and cadencing in major. And that's intentional because Hurwitz wanted it to resemble the great lows and great highs of life. The planetarium. The sequence was originally intended to be underwater. The very end of the sequence is spooled backwards. When Gosling and Stone come down from out of the sky... And they land perfectly in their seats and have that kiss that zooms in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was all shot backwards. Oh, because it looks very perfect. Well, so yeah. So the camera is actually starting on in on them, zooms out. They come out from their kiss and they have wires that pull them out of their seats. That's great. Oh, man. I love the planetarium scene. It's so pretty. It captures the feeling so well. I told you that uh, one of the people who was the most annoyed that they didn't end up together was very confused by that sequence. Yeah. Didn't understand why they were suddenly floating in the air. And then when Emma Stone sang the audition song, that was she sang it live on camera with an earpiece while Hurwitz was in the next room playing the piano. They didn't have like a point where she needed to like transition from talking into singing. They let her just do it and Hurwitz would listen to oh when my she gosh. needed it and when she would start singing he would like go into it that is one of probably my top number one if i could choose to have a skill mm-hmm. where you can just like feel it and you can follow you have that much of a like knowledge a, a command i would love to just be able to do that last but definitely not least the epilogue the audience literally enters la la land it is like a dream sequence imagining what the film would have been as a traditional full-blown musical 
But when the melody ends, the audience returns back to reality. That's so good. I, I just, I forget how much it affects me. Like, I was just watching it, it had chills the whole time. I, I was trying to remember if, at what point when I first saw it, what I thought was going on. It shifts to back when he is playing that job at that bar. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, did I think that this was maybe like all that we had seen was a dream sequence? And now we're going back to this point in the I movie? Thought, I, I thought that. I, I don't think I figured it out till you literally come back to reality i can't remember but i i I, I'm, I wish i had written it down or something like kind of like what my thought process was during it because it is it's so good it would have not been as good if they had just ended with the dream sequence and them walking into the no. the jazz club no not it at just all would not have been as well good. i know some people who would have been happy about it but there's they're wrong it is gutting first when she stops and sees the name sebs and then when he's up there being like, good job, everyone, good job, like presenting the people who just played. And then when he looks right at her and it's a close up just of his like, there's so much going on. There's like horror and shock and they play it perfectly. I, I just don't know how, why people don't like this movie. I know. I, I, there's plenty to pick apart, I guess, but like the ending is so good. And when he just looks at her and just, it stops him. Welcome to Sebs. Do you have someone in your mind that if that were to happen... If like you and I were to walk into somewhere and you were to see that person, like you would just be like, yeah, but they're like negative, <laughs> not like, oh, you, you'd be like, oh shit, let's get out there of here. There are definitely people where I'm like, turn around, don't say anything. Let's walk right now. <laughs> I guess that's happened to us before. <laughs> There's been a couple of times we have gone to something where I wondered if someone from my past, my past <laughs> might be there. Yeah. And anyway. Man, they play it so perfectly, though. You just, you know, you know exactly how they're feeling. I think everyone, like, even if I'm like, I don't really know who I would react that way to. You just know what it would feel like, though. Both of them, I think Stone especially, though, they're good at playing a lot of emotions at the same time on their faces. Uh -huh. You can, like, watch which emotion is at the surface and then, like, cycles through to the next one. I don't know. They're just really good. They're really, really good. I could not agree more. Chazelle was taken by the concept that you meet people who set you on a path, but they don't stay with you. And he found it beautiful and heartbreaking. And that was the point of their relationship in this movie. That's relatable. Yes. And even even like on a smaller scale, like not like a grand romance, a year long romance, but even like friends, you know, where you're like, I never really, I don't know. I don't yeah. you never see him, but like they nudged me in a way and like kind of like built a block of who I am. Uh -huh. There's tons of people like that. I love the look they give each other at the end. Even them leave. If she would have left, that still would have been like unfinished. You never really have closure on some things in life. So in that way, it would have been nice. But like you would be like, Yo, you, you kind of want them to have a conversation confrontation when they look and like kind of smile at each but other that's like, how you would want something like that to, to absolutely go. Yeah, it's one so of my favorite good. endings of all movies this movie came out december 9th 2016 it made 446 million dollars worldwide against a 30 million dollar budget i was excited to see it me too 91 percent rotten tomatoes it has some criticism for its treatment on race and jazz you've heard these it is weird Gosling kind of correcting John Legend on jazz mm -hmm. and being like, you're a sellout. It is a little weird. There's not, it's not a very diverse movie. It's like white people shit. I also kind of think that like Gosling him being like mansplains a bit. I feel like that's actually pretty accurate to people who are one hobby people. 
Oh, totally. It is not a good look, but it's also never a good look when people are like that. And people are like that. Yeah. It's when you have one hobby and like you think that you like, I know so much. And you're like, you're like obsessed with it. You like can't help but like be condescending when you're talking about it. Because I don't think it's accidental. I'm like, that's how those people are, though. They kind of are a little insufferable. Uh, one last big thing to talk about, the Academy Awards. Of course. Can't talk about La La Land without it. It had a lot of heat coming in, right? It was nominated and won seven Golden Globes, setting a record for the most Globes won by a single film. Wow. It received 14 nominations at the Oscars, tying the record for most with All About Eve and Titanic. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that either. And it won six. It won Best Director for Damien Chazelle. Remember, Young Man, third movie. Actress for Emma Stone. It won Cinematography, Original Score, Original Song, Production Design. Do you remember the flub? Totally. I wasn't. You didn't watch it, it live? I, I didn't watch it live. Oh, I saw crap. it on Twitter. Tell me what you, you remember it. What what was it like? It was kind of like La La Land's not going to win. There, it was up against Moonlight, which ended up winning. I did not think it was going to well, win. It, had won, it, it just felt too good to be true. But it was like the movie that Hollywood, they love themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm like, it's got to be this. It was right after they had changed a lot of the voting academy because of Oscar So White. They were starting to change the voting body so. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just remember being like, I always want to say Warren Buffett. <laughs> Warren Beatty. Yeah. And he's like very confused because his card said Emma Stone, right? So it was, he thought it was La La Land. I can play it for you now if you want to watch it. I would love it. to watch it's it. It's interesting to rewatch now. So this is what I wanted to ask you because at the time, I wondered if you noticed anything wrong because now it's clear that there's confusion. And even yeah. when La La Land, yes. the people go up to like give their awards people are scurrying around on the stage they were on the third speech given before they made the correction for two minutes and 23 seconds la la land was briefly the best picture (laughs) it was just this moment of like when you finally realize what was going on like oh my gosh they're the wrong one they said the wrong one it is it is the worst (laughs) mess up they've ever had so bad it was the only time anyone had announced a winner that was the wrong person well, okay, and so... It's so embarrassing. Do you remember the details specifically what happened? It was the wrong card. It was Emma It was Emma Stone's win for Best Actress card. Okay, yes. Price Waterhouse Cooper gave them the wrong envelope. And then she saw it and was like, oh, it's for La La Land. Yeah. If you just watch, there's like people hustling around. Yes, I remember this now. And everyone's just kind of looking like, what's going on? You feel so bad for Warren Beatty. Well, you feel bad for everyone. Of course, well, but like Warren Beatty, the guy like takes it out of his hands like he's so pissed. It's just like a comedy of errors. It's well, so bad. And it sucks that like your movie won Best Picture and it's just kind of marred this like colossal mess up. Uh, I kind of want to show you this too. Jimmy Kimmel, I'll throw this clip in too. Jimmy Kimmel was the host and he kind of recounts what happened the, the next night on his show. Oh. As I'm sure you've heard, La La Land was simultaneously, somehow the biggest winner and loser last night. You know it's a strange night when the word envelope is trending on Twitter. It's, in case you missed it, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, it was the 50th anniversary of Bonnie and Clyde. They played Bonnie and Clyde, so the Academy asked them to present Best Picture. This is the biggest award of the night. It's the last one they give out. So Warren and Faye come out with the envelope, and, well, here's where the story starts. And the Academy Award... For best picture. You're impossible. Come on. La La Land. 
So in retrospect, now what we know is what Warren did is he was confused, so he handed it to Faye and let her read the word. <laughs> in other words, Clyde threw Bonnie under the bus. Uh, it was a slick move. Very slick move. So Faye Dunaway announces La La Land as best picture, which made sense it was the favorite to win. And the La La Land producers get up on stage, which made sense. They thought they were one. And a few of them, Jordan Horowitz, uh, Mark Platt, and Fred Berger, gave speeches. And I'm now sitting in the audience watching these speeches. The plan is for me to end the show from the audi audience in a seat next to Matt Damon, who, make, I want to make no mistake about it. whatever confusion there was about who won, Matt Damon lost. <laughs> he was a loser. He is a loser. But we're sitting there, and we notice some commotion going on, and Matt says, I think I heard the stage manager say they got the winner wrong. Because the stage manager is on, the stage manager is never on camera. It's very unusual. But so we're sitting there, and you just kind of figure, well, uh, you know, the host will go on stage and clear this up. And then I remember, oh, I'm the host. <laughs> So I go, like, all right, well, I just walk up the stairs. <laughs> and as soon as I get up there, this happens. Yeah. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. No, there's a, this, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, I, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. <laughs> this is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. <laughs> Moonlight, right. Best Picture. <laughs> kind of scary in a way. It was, that was the producer of La La Land who thought he won. He's standing there holding an Oscar that they're now going to take away from him. My first instinct was to tell him to run. <laughs> take that Oscar and get out, but he didn't. So now there's mass confusion. The audience is confused. The people standing around me are confused. I assume everyone at home is confused, and I'm probably supposed to do something because no one's doing anything. And then Warren Beatty steps up to explain. Hello. I, I once... Warren, what did you do? I want to tell you what happened. I opened the envelope, and it said, Emma Stone, La La Land. That's why I took such a long look at Faye and at you. I wasn't trying to be funny. <laughs> Well, you were funny. That Thank was you very much. much. Thank yeah. you very much. Wow, this is... This um... is Moonlight, the best picture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So Moonlight was the best picture. And now, so we have the producers of two movies on stage. And who the hell even knows who is who from which movie? And I'm standing there like an idiot feeling bad for these guys, but also trying really hard not to laugh, to be honest. <laughs> So after the show, I, go, I went back in the green room to talk to Warren Beatty, because still nobody knows what happened. And he showed me the evidence. You know, when you do a show like this, you aren't just the host, you're also the lead detective. You <laughs> have, you're like the sheriff of the show. Warren Beatty could be in prison right now if I wanted him to. <laughs> but the card he had said, La La Land, Emma Stone, which is weird because Emma Stone, who won Best Actress for La La Land, at that moment was in the press room doing interviews saying this. I also was holding my Best Actress in a leading role card that entire time. <laughs> so whatever story, I don't mean to start stuff, but whatever story that was, I had that card. 
So she said she had the card, but I was with Warren and he had the card. Well, it turns out they both had the card. For whatever reason, they have two of each card in each envelope. There's a regular envelope and a backup envelope, just to make it more confusing. And to... <laughs> so the accountants gave Warren the wrong card and they apologized for it today. So it wasn't Warren Beatty's fault. And Faye Dunaway made quite a getaway. She got the hell out of there. She, made... she read the wrong name and she split. How many people do you think got fired? Certainly the one who handed him the envelope. Isn't it also funny that Warren Beatty is like this prolific actor, director from like decades of film. So many people age 35 and younger are going to remember him as the guy <laughs> who messed up the Best Picture Award. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? This... It is so wild that that happened. And I just, I, I remember being on Twitter too and just, Twitter completely exploded. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Most engaging moment of the movie. Well, I mentioned the two best moments, right? Yeah. I now, I would say my favorite moment is the planetarium sequence. Not even just the planetarium. I love when they're watching the movie. I love when she goes up on stage. They just did such a good job capturing that, like a feeling of like the first time that you like are with, you know, someone you're like, and then they're just like floating. It's so elegant and just wonderful. So lovely. So that's my favorite. What about you? I'm going to have to, I love A Lovely Night, but I might have to go with the finale, like the ending, the epilogue, because it's just, it's one of my favorite endings. Love it so much. Yeah. I would say each of the musical sequences are, you feel so strongly a certain way. They're doing a really good job, at, I think, communicating like they're, what they're intending you to feel. Yeah. They're using musical to convey this in a way that no other t- genre really could do it as effectively. Also kind of weird oh. that uh, she tried to throw Warren Beatty under the bus. Like, she didn't have to do that. Like I think she was trying to be like, I didn't leave this around. I think it was a preemptive her getting out from under the bus. Okay, fair enough. Uh, least favorite moment. I don't love when they're in the jazz club and she's wearing that like kind of coral shirt. The whole like dating montage, I don't hate. There's not a single part that I dislike. So I actually really like that stuff. I I have a clear answer. Okay. I lose interest a bit when they're having relationship problems and career problems. Oh, yeah. Because that is when the movie feels it's most generic mm-hmm. in a way that I'm like, I could skip this. I get it. They're going to like get into a fight. I get it. Favorite character? I love Mia. She's more dynamic. Um, least favorite character? Who's yours? His sister. I like that actress. She the character just kind of bugs me. When she shows up at the apartment, I feel like their dialogue doesn't. It feels very forced and not like a real conversation someone would have. There just isn't really a point to her, and if you took her out, it would Noth- be a completely nothing's, nothing's changed. Yeah. Even when they have that last shot when he's like getting ready to go to the club, and they have like a shot of like her and her husband and the, their baby. Yeah, it's kind of like, did I care? Why even have that insert shot? Like, yeah, I get it that it's like trying to round out his character. Yeah, a real person who has like a family. Yeah, she adds nothing. Same. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, as well. All right. Final judgment. How many? 10 out of 10. Okay, great. Me too. You can reach us on Instagram at WifeWatches. You can reach us um, on Twitter. At... I really got to get that Twitter going. Should I do that this week? Should that be my goal is to like just start tweeting oh, yeah. stuff? Tweet away. I'm on Twitter at Wife underscore watches, not the underscore. You can send us an email at mywifewatchesmovies at gmail.com. Or you can um, text us. I was thinking it might be fun to do a voicemail call-in. Okay. So maybe we'll set that All right. Up. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I bet by the time I edit it, we'll have that. So the number is 616-209-8518. Again, that's 616-209-8518.
Well, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll watch you later. We'll watch you later. And remember, I guess I'll see you in the movies.